0: You are about to witness the very exciting story of a city and its people. It will be an adventure that will open new sights in familiar surroundings.
1: It was January 1967, several months after Timothy Leary urged the youth of America to turn on, tune in, and drop out. Thousands of young people were flocking to the San Francisco area particularly the Haight-Ashbury district, to partake in free food, free drugs, and free love.
2: When the truth is found to be
1: The popular press called them hippies, but at its roots, the growing underground movement embraced the avant-garde, the musicians and poets that were breaking the rules. Eventually, the movement came to Detroit, and no figure was more instrumental than John Sinclair
2: with everybody from a position of solidarity and unity and reinforcement of what they're doing and then make our, our work to be the freakism. You know, that's what Sinclair
1: was a member of the Artists Workshop, a group of writers, musicians, and artists that lived near the Wayne State University campus. Gary Grimshaw was a young artist at the time. His psychedelic posters would later come to define Detroit's counterculture. He joined the workshop in March 1967. It was a very complex thing that covered every aspect of living, and it's hard for me to cook it down into a few sentences. It was a, um, a way of life that was new to us. As much as the movement was about drugs, sex, and rock and roll, it was also about change. In 1965, John Sinclair got married. Lenny Sinclair says the counterculture emerging in Detroit and elsewhere was a rebellion against the status quo.
0: There was just something in the air that wanted change real bad. And everything was part of it, just uh, young guys letting their hair grow and defying authority in that way or just... uh, going to concerts with like-minded people to the Grandy Ballroom, you know, those people that wanted to drop out of their society and start something
1: new. If one place was to become synonymous with the hippies, it was the Grandy Ballroom. The Grandy was a concert hall on Detroit's West Side that featured some of the biggest names in music. Its owner was Russ Gibb. He says there was a profound sense among the hippies of not wanting to live the same type of lives their parents led.
0: Detroit today stands at the threshold of a bright new future. The hippies at the, of their day were people who were saying, we're not satisfied about the way we're living. We don't want to live in a track house in a suburb. Uh, we think there's some value in, in living in the city. We think there's some value in sharing and not just gaining for yourself
1: the music heard at the grandy was also beginning to reflect the changing attitudes a group of detroiters formed a band called the mc5 the group took its industrial roots and produced a sound that was hard-edged and high-energy bassist michael davis we felt
2: it was like our duty to inform people that they were kind of like languishing and in the past and and we had a new a new doorway for them to, to step into the future, into something that was much more exciting and much more truthful than anything that had gone down
1: before. The leaders of the artist's workshop, and later Trans Love Energies, looked west toward the blossoming underground. John Sinclair and others didn't want to have to leave Detroit to be among like-minded people. They wanted to bring the Haight-Ashbury to Detroit. Lenny Sinclair...
0: Our whole idea was, no, we don't want to leave. We want to make it like they are here, and then nobody has to leave. This will be the center where everything is happening. And to a large extent, it was, you know.
1: To bring a little bit of San Francisco to Detroit, John Sinclair conceived of an event modeled after the human being out west. Sinclair wanted to hold a day-long event that would include free food, free drugs, free love, and free music. And Sinclair wanted to have it on Belle Isle. So he and other members of TransLove started planning. They got the proper permits, designed the posters, and booked the musical acts. On April 30th, thousands of people streamed onto Belle Isle. Most were from the suburbs, curious about the counterculture. But others were already immersed in
2: it. MC5 bassist Michael Davis. And then you had this kind of a uh, small, um, uh, like a minority of people that were already into it. They were already there. They were stoned. They had the, uh, the, the, the fringes on, and they had, the, uh, they had the, the hair was long. They had everything going.
1: Also on the island that day were dozens of Detroit police officers, many on horseback. Gary Grimshaw says as far as the police were concerned, The hippies were trouble. Well, because we smoked weed and hung out with black people. And we attracted suburban kids to come down and do the same. And they didn't like that. For most of the day, the event remained peaceful. But at 7 p.m., the situation changed. The MC5 was on stage. Michael Davis explains what happened next.
2: We started our Black to Calm thing, and damn, wouldn't you know it. Black to Calm just, like, took the cap off the thing. And, I mean, we always felt like, like we caused it, you know, that, that, the, uh, that the chaos, that, that the high energy of Black to Calm uh, just, just sent people, just made it, just turned it into a, a disaster.
1: The police arrested a motorcyclist for reckless driving. A confrontation ensued with the audience, and things got violent. Thousands fled the island. On the other end of the MacArthur Bridge, police were again confronted by an angry mob. Glass was broken and more than a dozen arrested. The day after the love-in, Lenny Sinclair, nine months pregnant at the time, started worrying about a backlash. She thought the police would blame trans love energies and hippies for the violence. Uh, we were scared. We thought we may have to uh, flee or something. <laughs> you know, I don't
0: know. <laughs> It was a foreboding aftermath. I remember we were huddling and just just really uh, being sad and disappointed and scared.
1: Sinclair says regardless of the Lovins' violent outcome, change was in the air. She says things had to get better. In the following months, John Sinclair and Trans Love Energies would continue their quest to legalize marijuana. Resistance to the war in Vietnam would continue to grow across the country. In Detroit, Walter Ruther would admit to working with the CIA and circuit court judge George Bowles would continue his campaign to root out corruption in Wayne County. Four days after the love-in, Lenny gave birth. Almost three months later, the Detroit police would raid a blind pig on the city's west side. Another rebellion against the status quo was set to begin. This is No
2: There's something happening here, but
1: what it is ain't exactly clear.